Today we're going to start a series, a Christmas series for the month of December uh, uh, called The Songs of Christmas. And uh, there are some classic Christmas songs that uh, you pro- probably comes to mind every Christmas season. And we're going to look at some of those and use those as just kind of a catalyst for our messages. Uh, this morning, the very first Christ- song of Christmas, uh, the, today's message is Joy to the World. Yeah, you know it. Joy to the World. We heard kind of a rendition of that song this morning. Um, Joy to the World, it's interesting, it originally was written by a a guy named Isaac Watts, and the year was 1719. If you do quick math, that was 304 years ago. The author of Joy to the World, uh, he was a theologian and a popular hymn writer in England. Originally, Joy to the World was written not as a song, but actually as a poem. And the poem was entitled, The Messiah's Coming and Kingdom. In 1836, composer Lowell Mason fit this poem to a tune and renamed it, Joy to the World. Isaac Watts wrote the words of Joy to the World as actually as part of a collection of poems called the Psalms of David, where Isaac Watts was interpreting psalms from the scripture into poems and hymns. Joy to the World was Watts' interpretation of Psalms 96 and 98 from a New Testament perspective that was not, and Joy to the World does not mention the virgin birth because originally Joy to the World and the author's interpretation of Psalms 96 and 98 was the perception not of Christ's first coming, but actually of his second coming, the coming of the ages. So it wasn't written originally as a Christmas carol. It was written and more tailored towards Jesus's his return, his second coming. So let's look at a couple of these verses that the author used when he penned these words 304 years ago. Psalm 96, verse 11 through 13 says, Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees in the forest Sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes, uh, judge the earth. That is not right. It's, it's my fault. It's my fault. Make it right online right here, the actual scripture. Uh, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Psalm 98, verse 4 through 9. Shout for joy, you hear it? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music uh, to the the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horns. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. And these were the scriptures Isaac Watts used in his interpretation of these psalms about the Lord's second coming. In the, in the 1700s, 
Isaac Watts, like I said, was a hymn writer and theologian. Church music at that time was much different than it is today. Most of the songs in the 1700s were simply verses from the book of Psalms put to music. It was monotonous, it was boring, and Isaac Watts, in his words, said the music of the day was dull. So Isaac Watts, he wanted to change that in the 1700s. And uh, uh, he wanted singing to the Lord to be something that was vibrant, that was excited, that was passionate, that was joyful. So Isaac Watts wanted to see more than boredom on the faces of people in churches in England. He wanted to see joy on the faces of worshipers when they're singing about the Lord. Isaac Watts wrote over 700 hymns. And if you've ever wondered, man, we, we sing so many songs in church. <laughs> Imagine having an author in your church writing hymns like every week it would seem. He wrote over 700 hymns in the 1700s. Some of his hymns you will recognize and are still sung today, like the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. That was Isaac Watts. Or, or, or Isaac Watts, he also uh, wrote the lyrics, uh, the, the hymn lyric that says, At the cross, at the cross, when I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. That was Isaac Watts in the 1700s, the writer of a poem that became the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Life wasn't always easy for Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts was born with some physical abnormalities. He was only five feet tall, very thin, and was said to have an abnormally large head. And I would imagine the jokes that he faced growing. Well, he didn't grow very long. Sorry, Isaac. I, oh, jeez. Uh, see how easy it would be? Oh, poor guy. Five foot, very thin, large head. But his skin also was very strangely pale. So he had some physical features that were odd. But, and, and actually, uh, Isaac Watts once, once he, he asked a girl to marry him. And when she responded, she said, I cannot marry you because you are too ugly. Oh, this breaks your heart. In addition, Isaac Watts suffered from having uh, high fevers, and actually he suffered from chronic diseases. He had uh, mental breakdowns from time to time, and an inability to concentrate. Things actually got so bad for Isaac Watts that he had to move to a farm 
where friends took care of him until the end of his life. But it was there in suffering isolation on that farm that Isaac Watts wrote the poem that we know today as joy to the world. So let's look at the words of this song. And it goes, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. And this is a verse that many times is cut out from hymnal books because I don't think people understood it as a Christmas song. But when you understand it as a song about the Lord's second coming, the verse makes more sense. And it goes like this. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. And then the last verse. He rules the world with truth and grace. And makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Isaac Watts, a man that knew difficulty, a man that was scrutinized, rejected by many in society because of his abnormalities. He faced lots of rejection. He faced lots of ridicule. He faced a lot of chronic illness and disease, physically and mentally. And yet, penned words like, when I survey the wondrous cross. And at the cross, at the cross, when I first saw the light. Or when he penned the words, joy to the world, the Savior comes. I think there's an important lesson for us to learn that Isaac Watts somehow learned in the 1700s in a life where he had every reason to feel victimized and, and have pity for himself. But the lesson he learned was to receive joy. Joy. You see, joy is far different and happiness. See, in our culture today, we are all, many, not all, but many are told to be in pursuit of happiness. And the, and the pursuit of happiness is somehow attached to success and wealth and material gain. That you can, you can have that if you, in America, the pursuit of happiness. And many people have dedicated their life to pursuing happiness but are deficient in joy. Because there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is external 
while joy is internal. Happiness that is external is if the things outside of you are great, you feel great. When the things outside of you don't seem great, you don't seem great. And so I've got to have the external to feel the internal. But internal joy is not conditional on things around you because joy is in you. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. The Apostle Paul has the street credit to speak on this issue of happiness and joy and with authority. It won't be on the screen, but this is what 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says. Paul says, I have worked harder, been in prison more frequently, I have been flogged more severely, I, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger. I have known thirst. And I have gone without food. And I have been naked and cold. This is the Apostle Paul speaking from his experience. And if I were to say, if that were my story... <laughs> Would I have ended like Paul did? Paul stayed true despite what he went through. And, and for some of us, we feel like we're missing out on something so trivial. And we begin to waver in our faithfulness. Our joy wavers. Well, the, the problem is, it's not your joy wavering, it's your happiness. You think Paul was happy about those circumstances? Being shipwrecked and beaten and flogged and stoned and left for dead? He wasn't happy about that, but he had something else in, deep down inside of him called joy. J-O-Y, joy. And I just wonder if when Paul was facing these circumstances where he was in danger from his friends and his foes on land and at sea, I just wonder if when Paul found himself flogged and in prison, if he remembered this one thing, if he remembered this one time when he was taking a road trip on his way to Damascus and he met the Lord face to face 
I just wonder, when he faced all those difficulties in life, if he recalled how great is my salvation. Flog me. Imprison me. He saved me, and he'll rescue me again. His J-O-Y joy was not external. It was internal. And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 4, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Wow. I was in danger at sea. I was in danger from my friends. I was in danger from my foes. I was beaten. I was, in, I was, I was struck. I was imprisoned. You know what he's saying about it all? It's just a temporary thing. What far outweighs that is this eternal glory in Christ. So, while we toil and struggle, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. The vacation is temporary. The struggle is temporary. Monetary gain or monetary deficiency, temporary when compared to eternity. If the outward is always controlling the inward, you, my friend, are in trouble. Because if the outward controls the inward, Apostle Paul probably would not have penned the letters that we have today as Scripture if the outward controlled the inward. So if, 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 if what you have on the outward part of your life controls the inward, my friend, you are, you are in trouble. Inner joy will outweigh outward happiness every single time. So happiness is external. Joy is internal. I also want you to know that happiness is based on circumstances, but joy, joy is based on Christ. Happiness in the Latin Hap, H-A-P, means by chance or luck. Think, think about the word happiness. And think about the word happens. They have that same H-A-P, hap, Latin root, which means by chance. So happiness is circumstantial. And the, the word circumstance, it, I, I, it means the circle that I'm standing in. I happen to be standing in this circle, and this is my circumstance. Happiness is, uh, it happens. It is by chance or by luck. And now you can see how happiness can waver and people can, do, can have uh, uh, the same 
circumstance. In other words, you could put some people in the same size of circle and they will have different behaviors. Because one is looking at the circumstance they're standing in and saying, I'm not happy with my circle. You can put someone else in the same circle and they can say, hmm, his love endures forever. Remember last week? You can put someone in the same circle and they can see the gorilla. If you were here last week, you know what that means. Like, I see the gorilla. They have joy on the inside. So you don't have to allow the circle you're standing in to determine the joy in your life if your joy is based on Christ. Philippians 4.11 says, For I have learned to be content whatever circle I happen to be standing in. Whatever my circumstances. So happiness is external, but joy internal. Happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is always based on Christ. And happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. Happiness would be like hitting the lottery, which will not happen for any of you. But joy would be the person that decided, I am going to live debt-free and have joy in my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to pay off my, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to steward my finances well, get debt-free, give generously, sleep well at night knowing I have no debtors. That's joy. But happiness is the one saying, I just need to hit the lottery, man, and then I'll, then I'll be good. I'll be happy. Life will be okay. I can do the thing. I can get the thing. I can go to the place. I just need more. You see the difference there. One's by chance, but one is by choice. If your happiness is by chance, then it's never up to you. It's up to the chance. You can't control it. If it's up to the lottery, it's not up to you. But joy is a choice. Don't let the thing you can't control control you. You can have joy. Well, you don't, you don't know, Pastor Devin, what, what you're asking me to do in the circle that I'm standing in to have joy. Well, don't take my word for it. Take the Apostle Paul's word for it. He's got some serious street credit and authority to speak on this. When he says, outwardly we are wasting away, but yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. This dude went through some stuff, and he never lost his way. You know, joy does some very surprising things. Uh, it's something that someone like Isaac Watts was such a challenging life. It's surprising that he could author the words of joy that are sung every Christmas. 300 years after he wrote them, isolated on that farm, 
likely soon to die. And 300 years later, all around the world, people sing joy to the world. It's surprising what joy can do. It was even more so surprising the night when angels appeared before shepherds in a field in Luke chapter 2 where it says, But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that has a cause and effect that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Joy does some surprising things and in some surprising ways. Paul was surprised on that road to Damascus. Shepherds were surprised to see an angel. And all the world was surprised that the long-awaited Messiah would be born a baby in a manger. Great joy, it says, for all people. I want you to know today that great joy is for you. And if right there in your mind you thought, oh, and you thought great joy meant something, that you're, let's not miss the point. Great joy is not something that we can have and attain. And some, great joy is not something that we live in or drive. Something is not an experience we can go to. Something is not an amount in an account. Great joy is not something, but it is someone. And that's what Paul understood. That he was totally transformed by the person of Jesus Christ. Whether through sorrow and suffering, he had joy. And Isaac Watts, his whole life being rejected and made fun of and being an outcast, could pen the words, joy to the world. It's not something, it is someone. And great joy is for you. And the great surprise of Christmas is that God chose to send his son, born as a baby, to bring us great joy. Three questions for you, and the the team can come at this time. Three questions for you. Have you received Christ as your king? Remember the song? Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Joy to the world. Let earth receive her king. Have you received Christ as your king? Don't let another Christmas go by not celebrating the reason for this season. Receive Christ as your king. The second question I have for you is, have you prepared room? It says, joy to the world, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. There might be some things in our hearts that we need to extract 
to make more room for King Jesus to take his place on the throne of our heart. Have you prepared room for the, in your life for the Lord? And the third thing I want to ask you this morning is, are you ready to meet Christ on the day of judgment? You see, Christmas is such a powerful time where we celebrate that he did come. Christ came, born in a manger. I also think Christmas is an important time to also reflect that he is coming again. And that is what Advent is all about. Advent is a Latin word that means coming. Christ came, and he's coming again. And he brings great joy. So this Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ while also keeping prepared for his soon return. Jesus, your Savior, has come, and that is joyful news. Jesus, our Savior, is coming again, and that too should bring us joy.